Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. At least 10 people died in the mass shooting that took place in Buffalo, New York on Saturday. Responses from Republicans and Democrats show a divided approach. Representative Lee Zeldin from New York called for a return of the death penalty. And Democratic Governor Kathleen Hochul is more interested in scrutinizing social media platforms and targeting white supremacy. Meanwhile, the Congressional Black Caucus Chair Joyce Beatty is asking for more. Beatty is urging the Senate to abolish the filibuster and pass gun control legislation to enhance background checks. The mass shooting that took place in Buffalo, New York, appears to be in part racially motivated. However, the shooter also has a possible history of mental illness. Oftentimes, the former becomes the driving force in the headlines for mainstream media outlets, which in the end winds up fueling more hate and division in the country. Our next guest is Angela Plowhead, a clinical psychologist who is also running for Congress in the state of Oregon. We're happy to have her on. Angela, it seems like whenever there's a tragedy of this sort uh, that we saw take place in Buffalo, the media goes right into the hyper-politicization of uh, gun control rather than addressing the true root causes, which in this case seems to be mental illness. Um, the warning signs were there as early as a year ago when, when, when he was evaluated. Um, is there a way to prevent uh, these types of cases from slipping through the cracks, do you think? So I think there's failure here on a number of, of areas. Um, number one, I think with the follow-up. So when in mental health, there are a number of avenues that you can receive treatment. There's inpatient and then there's outpatient. It seems like from what I'm seeing from the reports is that he received inpatient treatment for a day and a half and then was released. It does not appear as though there was any follow-up outpatient treatment. Um, that would have been one avenue for helping him to do better in this area. Um, but then again, we also have some people that really are just antisocial and, and really where they need to be is jail. Um, and we don't know at this point what was going on with this person. And obviously he hadn't committed any crime um, prior to this. And so he wouldn't have been there at that point. But we could have had some follow-up with our FBI. You know, we have people that go on terrorist watch list and when they have made credible claims of you know mass shootings like this there shouldn't be any reason why they shouldn't be on that list um you know instead of having our fbi um trying to you know dig into our president and trying to do things that um, were obviously very political against parents we should have had our fbi following up on things like this um you know those are two big failures that i can see um we also have a system in the united states uh, where we are we're just failing at mental health uh, we don't have enough providers the um insurances that we have um when i'm talking about things like medicare um do not allow for services from a multitude of providers they only allow for psychologists psychiatrists and um uh, licensed social workers. So there's a lot of other providers that could be providing services and shore up those areas, but we don't allow it. So we need to really adjust that piece as well. So, you know, there are a lot of failures in a lot of different places that could have been put into place in this situation. When, uh, you know, 
horrendous events like this that do have a racial uh, component to them uh, take place and, and things seem to just uh, take a, 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 an extreme political uh, view right off the bat, um, do you think that that could have a reverse effect on uh, race relations? I've we've seen that. Um, I've seen it personally. I think we as a nation have seen it. So instead of addressing race and trying to do things as a community, what we've seen is the separation. Um, you know, the the BLM message has been one based on Marxism, which is not good. It's not American. It's not based on freedom and it's not based on inclusion, it's based on separation. And so, you know, that I think has been an extremely harmful message. And since that message has come out, we have seen more race division in our nation than we have inclusion. And I think we really need to be calling on our faith leaders to be stepping up. You know, that's where Martin Luther King Jr. came from. He came from a position of faith. He came from a position of, you know, community and wanting to unite our community and not tear it apart. Um, you know, we know that separate but equal, and in this case, separate but not equal, you know, is not going to work. It just isn't. We need to have inclusion and we need to have unity and we need to have people that are going to bring those messages of unity and stop trying to divide our nation. You know, we've seen such hyperbole out of the media about race and about how, you know, there's so much division, but yet uh, that division is being promoted and pushed by the same media corporations. And so, you know, we as the American people need to come together. You know, we need to do what we did after 9-11 and really unite, um, not unite against any people, but unite together in a message of solidarity that we're not gonna let evil separate us. Angela Plowhead, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And, you know, I would just like to say before we go um, that my heart goes out to all the people in, in Buffalo. It's a beautiful community. I've been there before. And, you know, I, I would just have a clarion's call that, you know, we as a community, as the United States of America, pull together around this community and together just in unity. Angela, thank you. Critical race theory is being detected in a majority of top medical schools throughout the nation. An independent study by criticalrace.org shows that 39 of the 50 top medical schools in the country have worked CRT into their curricula. Criticalrace.org's founder, William Jacobson, is a clinical professor of law at Cornell Law School. He told Fox News that mandatory critical race theory training centers ideology, not patience, as the focus of medical education, and that this is a drastic change from focusing on the individual. And the New York Post reports that Congresswoman Elise Stefanik is accusing New York education officials of using pandemic relief money to fuel the spread of critical race theory in public schools. Stefanik says that anti-racism curricula advocates for discriminatory treatment of Americans on the basis of race. Marxist and communist ideas have undoubtedly snuck their way into the thoughts and ideas of American culture. From pop culture icons idolizing the likes of communist revolutionaries like Che Guevara and Mao Zedong, to the Marxist underpinnings of the Black Lives Matter movement and the current culture war against critical race theory. Another area of our lives where we've seen the Marxist agenda taking root is during the pandemic. This cunning ideology permeates more in our daily lives than we might imagine. 
Cheryl Chumley is an editor at the Washington Times and author of the book Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. She's an expert in understanding socialism, Marxism, and the way they take shape in the United States. We asked her about the importance of understanding these ideologies in order to recognize them before they take root. Here's our interview. Cheryl Chumley, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report. It's great to be with you, thank you. Cheryl, I think uh, for most people, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, when you look at the impact of the pandemic from multiple angles, you get a sense that our world and way of life has been altered. You've highlighted in your books and writing that there's a socialist underpinning or undercurrent at work here. Uh, how, can you help us unpack that a little bit? Well, I spend my whole book writing about that. But in short, if you look at the last two years of the coronavirus and the actions that the Democrat Party in particular took to justify uh, continued lockdowns on the American people, they would they would say things uh, like you you can't go into um, a church, but you can go into Walmart and so forth. The, the science had to have been a red flag to most of Americans. And yet when you point out that so-called science that was used to justify these sometimes conflicting dictates, you were booted off social media. So there was a stifling of critical thinking and critical uh, discussion that also went forth. But more importantly, if you look at outside America's borders, what uh, government bureaucrats in the global arena were doing and, and saying about the pandemic, that's the biggest alarm right there. If you look at, for instance, the World Health, uh, the World Economic Forum and its great research set and what that will ultimately mean for America and individual freedoms. Looking forward, that's something that Americans need to pay attention to and to fight. So I guess this next question is for a lot of your, um, you know, average Democrats out there that aren't really into politics but have always voted uh, blue. Has the traditional liberal platform of pro-freedom shifted or been hijacked uh, in a way, for, in your opinion? Absolutely. And it's not just my opinion. In my most recent book, Socialists Don't Sleep, I actually look at the platforms of the, the Democrat Party and compare them to the platforms of, say, the Communist Party and the Socialist Party and the progressives and so forth. And they are essentially one and the same. And it's a shame because there are many good Democrats in America who think that when they vote the Democrat ticket, that they're voting for the same type of principles that, say, Kennedy brought forward, or even Bill Clinton advocated for. But this is an entirely different Democrat party. The, the modern day Democrats are far more in line with the socialist and communist and, and cultural Marxist agendas than they are of even the Democrats of Bill Clinton days. Do you think that the evilness and, and um, you know, the, the teachings of Marxism need to be taught and studied in order for it to be identified as it slowly does take root in our country? Well, I, I definitely favor teaching the evils of Marxism and what it does to individual freedoms and ultimately what it does to nations who abide by its principles. Because I think right now what we have going on in America is a, a, a seepage of socialism into both the political system and the culture that goes un, unknown, unaware, because uh, the politicians who are pushing those socialist type of policies 
policies don't call it socialism. For instance, in Congress, we only have officially four members of Congress who affiliate themselves with the Democratic Socialists of America, which is not a political party, but it is a campaign. And if you look, though, at what they vote for, at the agendas they promote, 80% of Democrats in office also support and promote the same thing. So if you're not teaching your next generation of leaders about the evils of Marxism and socialism and collectivism in general, because that's what all these types of political beliefs lead to, then you have a generation who is not taught to understand how to identify those things that counter what is great about America. And that is, in a phrase, God-given liberties. Cheryl Chumley, appreciate your insights. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.